Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Form Free Tech Podcast. My name is Kevin Holditch and today I'm delighted that I'm joined by Anton Babenko, who's a Terraform expert. Hi Anton, how's it going today? Hello Kevin, it's uh, going pretty well. Cool. Uh, do you want to give us a bit of an introduction to yourself, um, what you work on, where you work? and Yeah, sure. So I'm currently working, uh, well, for the last uh, five years I've been working with Terraform and AWS and uh, I'm CEO of a company called BetterJob where we are specializing in different kind of things related to Terraform. And uh, I'm spending significant amount of time in open source, uh, developing different new cool things uh, related uh, to, to that. And that's pretty much uh, what keeps me busy on a daily basis. Awesome. So let's just level set for all of our listeners. So before we dive into Terraform, can you just explain to us what is infrastructure as code and sort of where Terraform fits into that? Yeah, sure. And that's a good starting point. So back in the days, uh, people were uh, kind of clicking things around, trying to uh, go to console, trying to learn how things work, how, uh, how different infrastructure components can be provisioned and so on. And uh, quite instantly, uh, companies, uh, and in my experience, AWS was one of the first companies who identified that there is a need to uh, make sure that people can reproduce their changes. So they have to put it into the code and then they can uh, recreate the same infrastructure over and over and they can see changes and they can easily identify what exactly has been changed when. So they have to put this into text files and then into version control system. So that's pretty much, in essence, the benefit of infrastructure as code, the way I'm, I'm seeing it. And uh, Terraform currently is uh, one of the leading tools which uh, is used to manage infrastructure as code, while Terraform was not the first tool out there. Okay, cool. Can you contrast, I guess, some of the differences between sort of Terraform and some of the other tools. So AWS has got CloudFormation, which is built into it, that you can use to configure AWS infrastructure. Yeah, so AWS uh, was the first company, or at least one of the first companies, who came up with the idea. And their product was uh, called, and it still exists, of course, uh, it's called AWS CloudFormation where developers have to describe infrastructure in a JSON file or in YAML file, where they specify what kind of resources they want, different parameters, and let AWS CloudFormation service to create this infrastructure. Uh, HashiCorp has created a product called Terraform, where uh, you can do pretty much the same things what you can do with CloudFormation, but using the same configuration language which is called HCL, which is short for HashiCorp configuration language. You can also describe infrastructure in other uh, providers uh, like uh, Azure, Google, and so on. So that's one of the main difference is that these two products work with different uh, uh, public cloud providers or public, uh, uh, well, AWS works only for public cloud provider. Uh, while Terraform can be used to manage pretty much anything. Okay, that's really cool. So I see is the major advantage then that you can have a single project to like 
glue together all of this managed infrastructure in a single place versus if you went down the cloud formation route yes you could use that to configure your aws um, infrastructure but then when it came to the other parts of your infrastructure so say you've got some dns records in cloudflare as an example you need another solution for that is that right yeah this is uh, one thing which is uh, uh, important to understand that yes you will probably have different uh, providers for different things but uh, this is like a first simple win which you will get the second win which you will get if you use uh, terraform is that terraform has concept of modules which is, in essence is a reusable piece of uh, configuration which means that uh, developers can easily share uh, their, their libraries and that's what we've been doing for many years but uh, let's apply the same principle for infrastructure and that's how terraform modules uh, were designed that you have reusable piece of infrastructure which you can easily apply on different projects, different environments, and so on. Okay, awesome. So moving into modules, I understand that you're a keen contributor to Terraform modules. So I guess what kind of modules have you written? How do you share them? Um, how do people use them? What does that look like? Yeah, that's indeed uh, one of the most uh, exciting things which uh, I'm currently working. And I've been working with this for well, four years or around that time. So uh, I started with uh, contributing uh, to modules like uh, VPC and relational database servers and EC2 instance, primarily because uh, it was interesting for me to see how repetitive things can be done. Because uh, I understand that uh, the large amount of business which uh, people have is not the... Uh, it's not building their VPC. It's not managing their uh, relational database service infrastructure. So what if we can uh, make these components externalized from them and uh, manage it completely independently for them? So while I was working with, uh, uh, with these modules, I was kind of constantly refining uh, like the scope of the module, what kind of things this module has to have, what kind of features uh, should be included or maybe should not be included uh, and so on. So I was constantly thinking about uh, different design patterns, how to, how to make this module which can be useful for a large variety of people. And that's actually the most complicated and the most challenging part, I would say, because there is almost never a solution which fits all. But there is a big chance that there is a solution which will feed 90% of people. And remaining 10% of people will have to fork this module and they can maintain their own copy with just small addition. Okay, awesome. So I understand the value add here is that AWS are providing, like to use one example, AWS are providing infrastructure, so like load balancers, compute, things like that, and you're using Terraform, you're building a module that sits like just on top of that. So if someone wants like a load balanced, like cluster um, out of the box, they can use your module to create that. Or if they want like a database with a VPC and the network all set up, they can just call your module and it will set up all of that. And can they provide different input parameters to configure different things so they can have different size databases you know different side arrangers on the network and they can override properties is that kind of the concept 
Well, uh, this is definitely the truth. So this is like the most traditional use case where you call this module and you pass different parameters to it and that's it. But in majority of cases, uh, there are a lot of limitations of Terraform or Terraform AWS provider, which uh, we have to work around. And uh, you as a user of the module should not necessarily know about all of these limitations because uh, all you want to do is just spin up some infrastructure and you don't actually know that Terraform does not support certain features uh, in, on, in terms of uh, language or that you cannot create uh, several resources in this specific combination even if you want. So instead of uh, letting you uh, learn in all of this, uh, and then somehow figure out how to reuse it, how to uh, release this module and how to share this module across different environments. Uh, I'm trying to do this uh, in a more canonical way in fewer place. So previous version of Terraform had significant amount of limitations in terms of language capabilities. So we couldn't use loops or we, can, we couldn't use different uh, uh, more advanced features related to data types and uh, it was just impossible for users to figure out why they cannot, uh, why they need module in the first place if they can just write this five, ten resources themselves. And then I showed them security group module, which is, as far as I remember, about 800 lines uh, to create just security group. Yes, it is security group. It's kind of easy, right? But no, it's not easy because there are a lot of combinations of uh, very different types of values. So that's why this module is hiding all of this for you. Okay, awesome. And how does um, how do you go about sharing this? Do you share them over GitHub? How does someone integrate them into the Terraform project? And how do they discover these modules? Since uh, Terraform 0, 0, 010, I guess, or maybe 11, I don't remember, there was a Terraform registry, which is ter uh, registry.terraform.io. Uh, this is a place where uh, I publish all Terraform AWS modules and uh, they will be automatically discoverable uh, by users. So users will have to write module block in that Terraform code and then Terraform will go to the registry and pick this module uh, from there. Everything is hosted on GitHub and it's uh, completely open source uh, with uh, MIT and Apache license. I think I mix this license every time. I have two files on my computer and I just put whichever, whichever I want, but uh, I realistically don't know the difference uh, like from top of my head. So uh, yeah, it's uh, all open source anyway and uh, uh, people go to registry and they can search, the, they can see information about different modules. Um, and the point is that if people are using AWS, then I set myself uh, like as, as a goal to cover uh, pretty much all popular services on AWS. Like uh, I think currently there are about uh, 20, well, how many? No, 36 modules uh, which I maintain. So all kind of uh, network service, uh, IAM services, uh, relational database and so on. Uh, the most popular one is VPC, but the second one is uh, Elastic Kubernetes Service, which 
is extremely popular and a large amount of people use it by default. This module has, has been created and has been maintained by several people, uh, excluding me. So I, I have not developed anything in EKS module. And this is a very interesting experience for me because I see how this project is being developed by other people, 172 different contributors. Wow. Awesome. So I guess the key takeaway for people listening then is that Terraform gives them a way to uh, orchestrate their infrastructure in the cloud and where any provider that um, Terraform supports. So Terraform supports a vast array of providers and you can also add your own because it's completely open source. And then with the whole module ecosystem, that's like a sort of an abstraction on top. So another, a slightly bigger Lego, bigger Lego brick that you can use to then build your project more easily. So rather than constructing like your VPC from scratch using all of the, the, the naked resources that Terraform provides, they could use your VPC module to bootstrap them into a best practice VPC and, you know, um, I guess get started quicker, basically. Yeah, well, uh, sometimes I'm not entirely sure with uh, what uh, word best practice because uh, Terraform AWS modules uh, are not giving you enough controls of what exactly to create. So it, it will be totally up to you to create absolutely incorrect configuration. Terraform will not stop you from opening everything to the public internet. Mm -hmm. um, Terraform, uh, Terraform AWS module just gives you uh, amount of like large amount of resources interconnected. But at the end of the day, it will be absolutely up to developers to provide values into these modules, whether they want to open something or they want to connect some components together. It will be absolutely up to them. And I think it's really important to understand that uh, Terraform AWS modules are not restricting you from doing uh, bad things they uh, kind of uh, opposite they give you ways to do everything including bad things okay but they certainly give you a, a kickstart because it saves you writing a lot of code yourself and gives you like a nice starting point yeah absolutely and uh, that's actually uh, important to understand that once you have your Terraform code in module or you uh, wrote it yourself you will still have to use external tools like uh, tfsec to verify that your configuration actually is not violating anything of what you have uh, defined, that you don't have everything publicly exposed. Uh, and this is really important to understand that these modules are popular, but you still need to do some work after. Mm -hmm. I think that's more around, I guess, the, um, like you said, the general security of your platform and Terraform is just a way to configure your infrastructure. So you need a way to, what you're saying is you need a way to govern that security to make sure you've done like, the industry best practices, like you said, not to open all traffic on all ports to some machine and, and things like that. So you mentioned TFSEC is a open source tool that allows you to build rules like that. And then I'm guessing you can then plug that into a CICD pipeline to fail, fail a build somewhere if someone checks in some code that violates one of those rules. Yeah, exactly. So that this is going to be traditional CICD pipeline where previously people call, I don't know, uh, Terraform apply and that's it. But now they will have to do Terraform plan, then evaluate this plan somehow, 
run tfsec or checkoff or any other tool and then based on that evaluation they can either proceed to terraform apply of this specific plan or uh, deny it okay awesome so just to make sure all the listeners understand i think one of the key brilliant things about terraform is it has this ability to give you a plan of what it's going to do so when you run terraform you can either run terraform plan separately or terraform apply will actually run a plan first so it will say if i run this terraform code this is what i'll do i'll create you free ec2 instances i'll destroy your database i'll do whatever and then you can read through that plan and then confirm it before it actually happens um which is i believe last time i looked at cloud formation it didn't have that so i thought that was one of the key differentiators um yeah speaking about uh ci cd pipeline or overall how terraform uh operate is that you're absolutely right the terraform will uh, optionally ask you whether you want to apply this or not and it will tell you what exactly is going to do and uh, it can output this into a plan file which can be json file uh, what it means uh, for uh, for devops engineer is that they can easily uh, chain these invocations into several steps so one of the step is okay let's let's run plan and let's see what's going to be changed and then second step uh for example can be are we going to break anything or are we still comply with certain rules which we establish and if this is correct then go ahead and apply it what i released uh, yesterday was uh, uh, another terraform aws module which actually takes this plan into account and it calculates price of this price of this plan. So what it means is that you have Terraform already and you have this state file already. What if we now run Terraform uh, Terraform apply of uh, plan uh, no sorry <laughs> Terraform apply of pricing module and we calculate how much this plan actually gonna to cost and if cost let's say less than ten dollars then go to the next step let's evaluate whether we are going to violate any security rules for example and if this is okay then let's deploy it so that's another thing which i just released uh, yesterday okay that's super awesome so that could be a really useful feature um to help control cost in your cloud infrastructure which i know firsthand could be quite a tricky thing to do when you've got a whole engineering team sort of creating infrastructure in Terraform. Um, so when it comes to, I guess, managing these modules, how do you ensure like compatibility? So as you release fixes and is there a way to version the modules? How do people get the updates? Sort of how does that whole life cycle work? Yeah, that's really a good and very complicated question to my mind. The thing is that uh, there are uh, ways to version module and uh, normally people use semantic versioning uh, which is uh, quite well described on semver.com or org you can go and read what does uh, these three numbers means major minor and patch and you can understand how it works pretty well for software architecture or for software application uh, for infrastructure semantic versioning is not always uh, working as expected because uh, it ex it accepts a lot of input values into it and um, 
overall what I try to do is that I make all of uh, work which I uh, develop compatible with latest version so that master branch of all modules is uh, compatible with currently 014. Uh, if there will be breaking change which uh, is going to be introduced then it will be definitely uh, increase in major version and uh, this is like one rule. Another thing which is really important to understand is uh, audience who are using these modules, some of these people are not able to update to latest version. So we have decided uh, together with the community that guys, we should not be using latest and the most amazing features of Terraform uh, unless we absolutely have to. Do you mean, sorry, just stop you there. So when you say latest version, you mean latest version of Terraform itself, not latest version of your module? Yeah, um, it's actually a similar thing. Uh, because uh, if we, let's say, rely on some uh, features of uh, AWS provider, which has been released just yesterday, and uh, this means that we require all users who are going to use this module starting from today to use this latest version. Otherwise, they cannot use it. And uh, this turned out to be a little bit impractical. Large amount of companies who are using this stuff, they are using Terraform 0.12 or 0.13 uh, or just started using 0.13. Uh, uh, today I receive an email from big company who say like, oh, we stuck in 0.11. I said like, oh my God, good luck. <laughs> this is definitely uh, not supported in any way, anywhere. Uh, we have actually abandoned support for Terraform 0.12 already, uh, which means that uh, we are not going to look into fixing issues if they suddenly break in 0.12. So we are always looking into... Uh, uh, so the formula which we have identified is quite simple, is that uh, we take uh, latest release and uh, in half year we will be allowed to use features which are introduced in this release. So half year is, is realistically uh, the best time or the, like the smallest amount of time which uh, will include majority of customers uh, for the upgrade. Uh, half year, um, I think, yeah, ar around... August or July, I don't remember, Terraform 0.13 was released. Which means uh, that uh, from now on, we can officially use all features of Terraform 0.13. There are very few uh, features which are uh, actually uh, useful inside of modules, uh, like we couldn't live without them. Uh, they are good features, and uh, of course I use a lot of them. But uh, if I really want... I can uh, make it happen with 0.12 as well. It will be just a little bit ugly and maybe more code and uh, a little bit harder to maintain and understand. But uh, the point is that uh, now we have Terraform 0.15 alpha released. So if it will be released, let's say, uh, during this week, for example, then by summer, we can use features of Terraform 0.15. So half year is something what uh, we think is realistic. And the same goes for Terraform AWS provider version. Uh, we, we, of course, want to use latest features of providers. Uh, so we are not waiting for half year uh, inside of providers, but we still wait at least like, I don't know, one month or so. 
And it also depends on which modules. Like VPC uh, module has support for Outpost. Well, Outpost is such a unique thing, which means that uh, I don't have even access to Outpost. So I cannot actually check it out uh, and verify that things are actually working. So of course, I'm not going to uh, merge that code uh, without actually verifying that it works and uh, thinking about different uh, edge cases. But in Lambda module, which is uh, rather um, rather new and rather, uh, how to say, uh, agile, uh, uh, there we can use a lot of uh, latest features, uh, like container supports we have uh, since day one. Okay. So you said quite a lot there, so I'm just going to summarize a, a bit of what you said. Um, so there's there's a few versions at play. So I guess we've got the Terraform engine itself, which increments and that adds language features and features to a Terraform itself. Then we've got the Terraform providers, which to listeners, if you're not familiar with Terraform, these provide like the interface into different providers. So you've got one for AWS, one for GCP, one for Cloudflare, et cetera, et cetera. And then you've got modules that you build on top of that, which could combine multiple things, which provide like a combination of resources. And that is also versions by you, um, which also adheres to Semverse. So there's quite a, there's quite a lot at play. Um, I just wanted to ask you, cause there was um, quite a big Terraform release between, I think it was between version 0.11 and 0.12, where it feels like Terraform jumped quite rapidly between those versions and they made quite a few breaking changes and I think it's kind of stabilized since so um, can you just sort of summarize what those big leaps forward were and I guess the features that we've we've gotten recently in Terraform well yeah you're absolutely right that release between or changes between 0 11 0 12 were very big and uh, in fact it took uh, I think twice as more time than the majority of people anticipated because uh, this release was so big and uh, uh, what it means for developers uh, is that they now have a little bit better support for different types and different features. So we have to write a little bit less hacks around. Uh, what it means for, uh, for end users even more, I think, is release of 0.13, where uh, the difference between 0.12 and 0.13, as far as I remember right now, uh, was not as big comparing from 011-012, but it still brought a few polishing things around. Uh, for example, uh, we can use uh, iteration on modules. Uh, well, it's not very often when you want to have it, but uh, now we can. We can also specify dependencies between modules uh, using depends on uh, meta argument inside of module again it's very seldom when you need it but uh, there are some use cases for that as well uh, and uh, overall many people who uh, who i know or who i consult with uh, they thought about terraform 012 as being already 1.0 it has pretty much everything what many people wanted uh, so yes of course we can infinitely improve language and uh, have different features added in different parts of uh, Terraform, that's not the point. The point is to make it uh, kind of easy to operate and uh, featureful uh, so that people can understand how things work. And that's something what I kind of don't understand where some of the development is going on right now. 
There are a few features in Terraform 0 14 and 15, uh, which I think are not actually requested by the uh, developers as such. Uh, they came into, like specifically, uh, I, I have not been uh, able to understand a uh, large uh, amount of features related to object uh, attributes like optional and defaults. Uh, we'll hear about this uh, like maybe in upcoming releases. But what I'm just uh, seeing is that there are a few features which are being added into the Terraform uh, which are not as important as, uh, for example, removing sensitive variables from state file. Yes, it is hard to do. Well, there are a lot of things uh, which are really hard. I get it quite, uh, quite uh, well. I mean, I work a lot with Terraform tooling as well. So yes, it is hard problem, but uh, improving types in HCL sounds like uh, not... Uh, generous work to do, I would say. I would put it like this. And uh, yeah, as I said, Terraform 0.13 was definitely a 1.0 in my mind, uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see when HashiCorp officially released 1.0. Um, so just to maybe put everyone in context there, so Terraform keeps what's called a state file and you can store this state file in a number of different places. So you can store it on your machine or in S3. Um, there's a number of places to put it. And Terraform uses this state file to keep track of what it's created. And the reason it needs this state file is to, well, for a number of reasons, to track dependencies. And also if you, say, delete a load of resources from your code, Terraform can look at the state file to know that... Um, you've deleted some resources and then it can also use the state file to infer the dependency order. So one of the one of the patterns I think people miss in Terraform is not linking their resources together. So if someone's got like an IAM resource and an S3 bucket that uses it, they could build the S3 bucket name programmatically in their IAM resource because they know how AWS generates the S3 bucket IAM string from like, you know, because it's just... It, it uses a convention, but it's better to link those using like a Terraform attribute because then Terraform knows that that IAM resource is dependent on the S3 bucket. So it knows what order to create those resources. And then it can use that state file if you delete both of those to know the order to delete them. Um, and what you were just saying there is there's this issue at the moment with Terraform where if you put sensitive um, sensitive data can make it into your state file because Terraform needs that sensitive data when it's creating certain things like putting secrets into Vault or database passwords and things like that. Yeah, that, that's pretty much uh, what, what I think a lot of people want to have. I personally almost never have this uh, situation where I was afraid that my uh, sensitive information is somehow placed inside of uh, Terraform state file. Well, I, I simply knew that if there is something sensitive, then I use a, a large variety of different tools outside of Terraform. And uh, that's uh, like, this was uh, my main uh, decision, like uh, since early days of Terraform. Yeah, so I think some of the secrets can't actually be avoided because they're actually needed by Terraform to create the resources in AWS. I think HashiCorp solution to this, as far as I understand it is, 
There's a few different ways you can run Terraform. So you can just run it from your machine on the command line. Um, HashiCorp also have a hosted offering, so you can just run it in their cloud. So you check in code into your GitHub repo and they'll run that code on Terraform for you. Or you can run Terraform yourself on your own instance, so you run their binary. Um, in the last two um, examples where it's either hosted by HashiCorp or hosted by yourself, there's various permissioning you can do around the state file. So internally, I think Terraform, the hosted Terraform stores its state file in a special state storage, which is backed by Vault. And then you can lock down access to who can read the state file to your users. So when someone's running a plan, you can say this user can't see my state file. So that kind of solves the problem. Bit of a sledgehammer approach to solve the problem, but I think that's and that's the direction I believe HashiCorp are pushing you in to push people from the command line offering, because some people build tools around that command line offering to run it on their their build framework in Jenkins or wherever it is, and pushing them into either the, the manage offering, the one you host yourself or the one HashiCorp hosts for you, so you get some of these enterprise features like locking down your state file. Um, yeah, but also it's... Uh... I have to admit that uh, recently there were very nice additions related to sensitive values inside of outputs. So if you know for sure that this output is sensitive and you don't want people to see it, uh, like in, in large amount of cases, you can put uh, it uh, as sensitive equal true inside of output block and then Terraform will do its best to make sure that this information is never ever shown to the user. Uh, I think uh, this solves the uh, largest amount of uh, problems which people have. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Because I guess outputs are one of the ways that you can use to pass data between like modules and between different Terraform projects. So, but the, the side effect of those, as you're saying, is that they can also be displayed in the output when you run and apply. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for today. Have you got anything you want to add to conversation or bring up anything exciting you're working on or anything you're looking forward to in Terraform? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, well, I'd like to mention a couple things. Is that uh, now when we have these uh, uh, times and uh, we are not able to travel so much, I decided to uh, to share my experience and my knowledge uh, about Terraform on my YouTube channel. So if you go to youtube.com and then search for my name or you can search for your weekly dose of Terraform and you will find my channel uh, there. So I, I have this as a weekly uh, episode where I do interviews, live coding, fixing different issues and talking about Terraform uh, in general. And uh, yeah, last thing which I just uh, want to highlight is that uh, I develop few other interesting things at the same time related to Terraform and serverless. One of my projects, uh, which I released, uh, I think about half year ago, is uh, uh, serverless.tf uh, because uh, I just uh, don't want to use serverless framework uh, unless I really, really, really need to. And uh, everything what I have is already inside of my Terraform configuration plus my functions. So why do I have to use framework for that? I don't really understand. So uh, if you go to serverless.tf, you can read about, uh, uh, about uh, the story and why and how and so on. 
And yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. And I'm sure the listeners will be keen to check those resources out. I think they're really good resources. Uh, Thanks again. Form 3 are looking to double the size of our remote first engineering team. If you'd like to help the world move money faster and enjoy working on complex technical challenges using the latest tech, feel free to check out the careers page in the description.